0: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because, just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It was derby day at the Etihad, City 1, United 1. We'll have a live reaction to the result and discuss the momentous occasion. I'm Amos Murphy. And I'm Alex Brotherson. And this is the City Report Podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United one, Manchester City six. It's two for Jekyll Tottenham Hotspur three, Manchester City four. They have made the impossible possible. So Alex, a special occasion, a first ever live recording. Um. Welcome, as you can probably tell, we're, we're just like in the corner of the Gulliver's pub in the Northern Quarter, of Manchester, apologies for the garish Euro-trance pop music blasting out. Um, we've scoured and scoured, but this is, this is the best we can do, but it's good to have you here. Welcome, we will be uh, mainly discussing City's 1-1 draw against United at the Etihad Stadium, City Women of course. Um, first things first, how are you doing? Yeah, not too
1: bad, thanks, mate. Um, it's a bit cold. I can't lie. Towards the last twenty minutes of the game, uh, you know, fingers had gone, toes had gone. Uh, my, my friend Ben, his, his jelly babies were getting me through. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was. I don't good... even want to imagine what that means. <laughs> You made that weird. I didn't make that weird. You made that weird. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It's been an enjoyable day, and as you say now, we're in the we're in the pub now. Yeah, a few pints of Guinness on the table. Yeah. Carly Ray Jepsen in the background <laughs> yeah. or, or some awful music. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. But it was it was a good day at the Etihad and a, a pretty momentous day at that A um, mm. good game of football. So yeah. Can't wait to, to get stuck into yeah, it. Yeah, um, it,
0: it was a very, very cold day. And I don't know if it was because it was 12.30. We, it was the day after England got knocked out of the World Cup, which is a, a topic we will most certainly not be speaking about for obvious reasons. But it felt that sort of, you get to 75 minutes, the game died down a little bit, and it got bitterly cold. Um, but we'll, we'll kick things off. We'll talk about the football a bit later on, but we'll kick things off with the occasion itself. Now, I, I think we have to be careful of not being those two white guys in front of a microphone condescending women's football because saying it was a great occasion, it was so good, lots of people here, blah, 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 because ultimately it was a game of football, more than anything, and we will chat about the football, but first to start off with, record women's attendance at the Etihad Stadium, 44,000 now, do we caveat it, tickets sold? I don't know, you can tell me in a minute if whether or not you thought there was 44,000 people there, but. There was a, a, a large number of people there that was indisputable, indisputable, especially in the first half when it sort of people managed to get through it felt like a big game uh, I think that's the best thing you can say about it it felt like an occasion, it felt like a football match it felt like a big game yeah 100% um, yeah I think there probably wasn't
1: 44,000 I think there probably was tickets sold but there's no doubt in there was a lot of people there you know the the uh, the third tier of the Colin Bell stand uh, was closed but I'm pretty sure every other stand yeah. was open um, and you yeah, know there was little sprinklings of empty seats here and there but by and large it was it was pretty full and and yeah, it was uh, obviously a record for, for City women. Um, and then, in terms of the occasion as well, I think Gareth Taylor actually, touched on this after the game, that it kind of had the feel of a cup final in a way. Yeah, yeah. Being in uh, in a sort of unusual surroundings obviously probably shouldn't be unusual for for a women's game to be in a stadium like the Etihad unfortunately it is Um, but it it did feel like quite the occasion Um, and I guess I don't know if that affected the players but it kind of felt to me that neither team really did quite enough to win the game it was quite over the whole 90 minutes I thought it was quite an even game uh, maybe United shaded the first half mm. City probably had the better of the second but yeah the occasion itself was uh, great to see so many people there like a, a great mix of people like we saw at the, the women's Euros in the summer um, it, it does tend to be a more family kind of orientated yeah, does, experience yeah. but that's that's no bad thing um, and it, but, it, but it was refreshing also to see uh, the, the continuing trend of dedicated away sections in yeah. women's football which I think is something important it keeps you know the the competitive edge mm-hmm. there because you know this isn't just some event as you say mm-hmm. it's a serious business like it's something we're not just here for a fun day out yeah. like it's and, and away fans should be able to sort of sit together and have a credit bit of nice banter with the home yeah, fans yeah, and the ones. united fans to their credit they were, was, they, were I think they had the i'm not sure if it i couldn't quite hear if it was the original or or a, a different yeah. version but they had a, a version of the Cantonar christmas yeah. song going yeah. at one point. Um, City fans, you know, we're giving it back to them, uh, with the the only football team to come from Manchester chant at times as well, which is good. We had an Icelandic thunder clap, a couple <laughs> yeah. of failed attempts at uh, Mexico Wave, which we were very, yeah. very happy to see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of the occasion, it was it was good. I think it was, yeah, maybe impacted the game a little bit, but it was good to see so many people there um, and clearly enjoying women's Super League football in a, in a big stadium which is what you know hopefully it happens a lot more going forward
0: yeah certainly it, it, it was a game I can't remember when tickets went on sale when tickets were bought but it, it's going back to the women's Euros final which is always a sort of a, a landmark when discussing women's football at the moment and I'm sure it will be going forward but I assume a lot of people bought tickets in advance I don't know if the, the weather played a part because uh, it was like I said it was freezing cold England playing the night before, a few sore heads 12.30 kick-off uh, just quickly then, because I don't want to put a downer on it but for me I feel as if Women's Super League can do a lot more with the kick-off times, because a game like this a staple occasion, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was, I don't know, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock kickoff. if that 44,000 is first of all in attendance, but also it, it touches the 50,000 sort of people on the day sort of going yeah, you know what, I can, I can make that, 12.30 kick-off for men's football, are, are shambles and it just felt like, I don't know, it, it feels like with the women's game, we're saying it so often, it's great the fact now Sky Sports, BBC is showing matches. However, it can't be sort of, it can't just be a sideshow to the men's game, and especially when the World Cup's on. There's no reason this couldn't be a free court kickoff. And I just wonder if going forward as the Euros buzz dies down, that could be a little bit of an issue.
1: Yeah, um, I think we're already seeing a bit of a conflict uh, between the need to grow WSL attendances, but also yeah. the desire of the TV companies yeah. and the broadcasters to have them playing in prime time slots. Because while well, I'm no expert on uh, on television, but I I think that at twelve thirty on a Sunday, or I think the the other popular slot for the big fixtures is, is six pm or seven yeah, pm on a Sunday. Seven, yeah, I think that, for yeah. the for the broadcasters big such big as you know like Sky or BBC, um, they're more sort of uh, lucrative mm. appealing. TV slots but as you say they're not great for the match going fan. Um, and as you said today you know 12.30 on a bitterly cold day the morning after the England men's team have played in the World Cup um, and it's a game where the tickets as I say have been on sale for quite a while now and just uh, yeah, it's, there's just a few things, and like the fact that they were so cheap as well. Like yeah. I think it was eight pounds for adults. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. kind of thing where you will buy them. Or, or, some people might have bought them and then they've woken up today. It's absolutely freezing. You know, it's getting near to Christmas. It's the tickets were tickets were cheap, but it's a day out. You're going to spend money, and it's just the kind of thing where you could wake up and think, you know what? I'm just gonna pass on this today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and twelve thirties as well, they're just a bit awkward because you know you have to depending on where you're coming from, you're gonna to have to get out of the house a bit earlier than you'd like on a Sunday, yeah. you know, you're not gonna get that Sunday lying. Um, so I think there there is a conflict, but I can see where the broadcasters and the WSL are coming from because they want these big matchups like the Manchester derby like Tottenham Arsenal Arsenal Chelsea City Arsenal Uh, they want them in the prime time slots for TV viewers and I imagine they probably got more viewers today than if the match had been at three o'clock maybe or four o'clock so it's it is a bit of a it's a bit of a tricky one Um, but yeah it's not it's it's not ideal for the match-going fans I think really if you're going to try and grow a sport the first priority should be growing um growing interest in match going fans mm. before television audiences but that's just my opinion
0: yeah and I think sort of widen out uh, listeners in the US would sort of broadly agree with that match going fans in the US would broadly agree with that and, and you know even if they don't agree with it I'm sure most US listeners would have seen it in MLS the fact that you have this product and sometimes stadiums can be more than half empty but the tv audiences are much bigger i suppose it's the top the, where we are in the world and hopefully women's football and, and the wsl can get to a point where both have yeah. I, I don't think we ever need to sort of say it needs equal parity to the men's game because it's a completely different experience and in some cases better in some cases potentially worse um, i know for example the away end you mentioned was it's great it's better it's a good invention but at the same time there is still mixed fans in the other sections of the ground, and it, it does add a weird sort of feel to it. It feels like you're almost sort at of a tournament game in a sense. It doesn't feel like a league game between City and United. Um, but but saying that, it, it was superb. I mean, personally, I went with quite a lot of my family, and, and amongst that was a co- one of my cousins who I think is 11 years old, a girl, sort of. Has only ever really been to live football when it's women's football. She went to the last derby at the STI between City and United, and she was loving it. She was chanting, she was getting involved. She, you know, when chances went wide, she was kind sort of oohing and aahing, and the referees making decisions and getting up off by the seat and shouting. And that's great. It's great to have an environment where people like that can feel safe at football because it is different to men's football. It was a completely different experience, but a superb one at that. Um, We'll move on then, and, and I want to touch on something you did before the game with um, MCFC Food Banks, who are obviously quite a close friend of the podcast. They, they were doing a collection, as they always do, for city matches, both men's and women's. It was obviously the first time they'd done one when a women's team, a city women's team, were playing at the Etihad Stadium. Um, talk us through what what that was like. because You got down there bright and early. Um, I'm sure with a, a little bit of a sore head, but what what was going on? What was that like? How did it go? Were people involved? Were people donating?
1: Yeah, it was um, it was a really good collection. And I think uh, when I got there and and met uh, I met Alex, um, one of the guys that runs it. Um, at the gazebo uh, opposite Asda. Um, they, apparently few, about 10 minutes before i got there they hadn't had many collections mm. and they, they were feeling like mm, maybe it's not going to be a, a great collection but um just before i got there they, they, they had a few people come over with bags and it just steadily kept growing um, had people coming over whether it was just a few they've just got a few tins of chopped tomatoes or whatever beans in their in their in the handbag or whatever or then people coming with big um, shopping bags full of stuff so it was it was a really good collection um and as you say, this was the MCFC food bank support um, weren't collecting in 2019. Uh, they hadn't started at that point. The last time City women played at the Etihad, so it was quite a unique uh, thing for them to do it today. I think this season they've just started doing the women's games at yeah. the Academy yeah. Stadium as well. Um, and they're, they're having quite a lot of joy um, collecting at both the women's and the men's games which is which is great to see um, and obviously it's you know we say it's great to see mm-hmm. in an ideal world MCFC food Sport won't exist because yes. in an yeah. ideal world there wouldn't be a need for ordinary people to, to have to collect food and um, sanitary products uh, for people that can't afford them in our community um, but the work they are doing is is absolutely stellar mm-hmm. um, and you know, and uh, working in, in conjunction with you know like the Trussell Trust and Manchester Food Bank and and groups like Fair Share, uh, they're all doing a really good job. Um, and so yeah, it was just it was nice. I yeah, it was just. I've, I've, I've sort of promoted their work a few mm. times in, in, in my job uh, and it was nice to go and just sort of give a bit back and, and actually try and help out um, so yeah it was good it was it was good
0: it was yeah good. definitely they're, they're a fantastic group of people absolutely fantastic group of people and, and likewise on the City Report feeds and and uh, some of our episodes we've, we've collaborated obviously a couple of weeks ago it was the the, what was it, Hodathon, I think is the word they use, the sort of 24-hour stream, something like that, so um, constantly, constantly banging that drum, and it, it, it's perfect season, a, a day like today is the day we're recording, uh, Sunday, the day of the game, the the support that, and, and you mentioned United fans before, it's it's Cross City, isn't it, and, and something like that is not Defined by club colours. I know, for example, when City have had issues with Liverpool, MCFC Food Banks on, on Twitter have been some of the first people to speak out about, for example, Hillsborough chanting, Heisel mocking, just um, sort of like poverty mocking in general, feed the Scouts, etc. we have called it out straight away, and it, it's great to see. Oh, I suppose maybe it's not great to see, but it's, it's nice to know there's someone like that there who, who can promote the voice of people, just ordinary people in the city. Because I suppose if you're not from the city, if you don't understand the sort of the way things are, if you you sort of maybe watch abroad, you don't understand the sort of the, the nooks and crannies of what it, what the, the club is about. So it, it's perfect to see um, them them doing that and hopefully it continues. Um, I guess we'll wrap then on part one. What do you think do we need to do as, as a sort of football club and, and city women's going forward to ensure that days like this can continue because it's great having a one-off Manchester derby every few years at the Etihad Stadium, but ideally you want to get to a position where, I don't know, down the line, perhaps every women's game is played at the Etihad Stadium in front of 44,000 people. I don't think there's one in the works at the moment for the rest of the campaign. Obviously, we'll get to the football very shortly, and it's, sort of, it's telling that we've, we've waited this long to speak about the football, because, spoiler, there wasn't a lot, of, a lot to speak about, but... Um, I suppose they just have to keep that momentum going, don't they? The Euros were great, this was great. If it just stops now as we head into the new year, it's pointless.
1: Yeah, um, I think the obvious answer is there needs to be more. uh, City women's games at the Etihad. Uh, You know, it really isn't good enough just to have one in a season, I don't think. especially given that you know the, the big World Cup break that we've had you know it's six weeks without without the men's team playing and you're only going to be able to squeeze one game in um, doesn't really sort of sit too well with me but um, I think yeah it's we've, obviously we've seen other other teams in WSL play at, at the sort of men's team stadium so United played at Old Trafford last weekend yeah. obviously United um, played at the Emirates against Arsenal a few weeks ago and um, but then there are teams in WSL that play all their games at the men's stadium Reading yeah. um, I think it's Reading and I can't actually, Leicester or another yeah, one Yeah oh, They, sorry, they play me. all their games at, um, at the the, what used to be called the Majeski stadium yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. uh, and the King Power. So, I think there probably would be a logistical error, uh, sorry, a logistical issue with mm. um, trying to play every single City Women's game just because of the sheer amount of competition City Men's play in, other events that the Etihad holds as a major stadium. But there's no reason why there couldn't be more than one a yeah. season. And the Academy Stadium is great, and in a way, like there are benefits for the Women's team having mm. their own ground. Part of their own identity, Um, and like it, and in some ways, you get a good atmosphere there because, like the on a on a game by game basis, the they're not always going to get massive crowds. So it's sometimes it's good to have it in a in in a stadium that's sort of um, a bit more compact. But you know, they sold forty four thousand tickets for the Manchester Derby. No, I don't see why. Okay, it's a Manchester Derby. It's one of the bigger games. Maybe if they played a lesser team in the WSL, they're not going to get that. But you know. I'm sure they would if they played Chelsea or Arsenal, yeah, uh, yeah. or you know, uh, uh, lots of other teams as well. So I think, I think the obvious thing is
0: they need to have more games. I don't see any reason why not. And I think that's the next step is to have more than one game a season. Yeah, I, I was just looking. Then there's been three home matches since the World Cup break. One. <laughs> one game at the Etihad. It's a bit disappointing, isn't it? It's a bit frustrating, but hey it's the way it is. Um, right, okay, that'll do for part one. We'll be back in a second to speak about the football after a 1-1 draw between City and United. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. I'm with Alex in the Gulliver's pub in the Northern Quarter. Um, right, okay, let's let's start with the football then, because like I said before, it wasn't the most I don't know it, it, it wasn't a match filled with drama it was a good quality football match and I think that's something that, that struck me was that um, obviously I've, I've been to plenty of women's games before I'm not saying that the quality is poor but it was a high quality match you know you've got the best two goalkeepers in England you've got a couple of the best centre-halves in England you've got in Katie Zellin, who's United Captain a player who really should have been in the England squad for the Euros uh, you've got some of the best attackers in England you've got England's best striker there was enough quality on that pitch but at times it felt a little bit scrappy if anything it felt like a derby match which I think you can say is testing to players yeah um, I think there was there was definite quality on show um,
1: from both teams. Uh, obviously, with the with the goals that we saw, um, I think United yeah, no, no. took a bit of a deflection, didn't it? Um, yeah, should from the goal. Yeah, yeah we uh, say that? <laughs> <say that? laughs> well, from where I was, it was a blue kick right goal at the back goal. of the goal. Yeah, yeah I, I was. A, my view was a little bit obstructed, um, yeah, but definite quality with with City's goal, a brilliant cross from Chloe Kelly. Um, and then um, and then Coombs with the, with the header and that was a fantastic goal but as you say it was at times a bit scrappy I thought the quality stepped up in the second half for sure yeah it did first half it was a little bit scrappy I feel like on balance United probably had the better of the first half even though the goal seemed a little bit against the runner play I thought City had sort of spells where they look quite dangerous I thought Lauren Hemp always looked like creating something when she cuts in she's just so hard to defend against Mm. when she cuts in from the left even when there was a couple of moves where there was one I think where she played a 1-2 with Bunny Shaw on the edge of the box and she Mm. kind of curled a a fairly tame effort which Merrier saved pretty easily but you could kind of tell that even though the defenders knew where she was going to go but it's just so hard to stop because yeah, she's so yeah. quick it's, it's that and and sort of effect isn't it like you know what they're going to do they know they're going to cut inside yeah. but being able to stop it's a completely different issue yeah um, so I thought she was good Chloe Kelly obviously was maybe didn't have the best game of a career but you know a fantastic assist yeah I, um, I thought the, I thought. I was pretty impressed with Yui
0: Hasegawa I thought, I thought um, the same I've got her down as well and yeah um because she, she's an interesting player because she obviously came in when Kira Walsh left at the end of the window. And there was if there's ever gonna be a, the, the music's just stepping up a little bit here, so apologies for that, but if there's ever gonna be a, a pressure sort of laden on the on the shoulders of a player, it's gonna be replacing Kira Walsh and she is not the same as Kira Walsh. I, I get a bit frustrated when people suggest it's a direct replacement because it's not she offers stuff that perhaps Kira Walsh doesn't in the sense that she can offer a little bit more to the attack in that sense whereas obviously Kira Walsh is one of the best disruptors, one of the best passers can break lines etc but she was very energetic she was on the front foot and if, if City have the be- the best part of City's day in terms of the football was that midfield wasn't it in terms of uh, Hasegawa was there Laura Coombs was there and, and, and Dana Castellay as well So it was, that's where things were happening for City. For me, it felt like the attack was off. Bunny Shaw, who's been electric all season, just didn't have the best of days. The touch was a little bit off. She had a couple of shots, straight into the palms of Mary Earps. Um, Chloe Kelly, Lauren Hemp. like you say, were were lively. They were electric, but they weren't necessarily effective, which is frustrating, because you usually expect more from them. Yeah. Yeah, I think with Bunny
1: Shaw, it was, what well, kind of summed up her game really and I wouldn't say she had a bad performance as, as you said it was just a bit not quite a usual level but I think it was in the second half there was a cross came in from the left wing um, and she you know she had the run on the defender and she just sort of went for a weird kind of low header yeah I just feel like if she had that moment again she had the time to take a touch yeah um you know maybe lay someone else off take a shot herself but yeah just decision making was a bit off execution was a bit off um, and as you say the two wingers Hemp and Kelly everyone knows how good they are but they weren't quite at their incisive uh, best today um, but yeah the mid- just going back to Hasagawa, I think it's it's an interesting one because you know Gareth Taylor is starting her as a number six and um, but she isn't the sort of, I'm sure she'd admit herself, she isn't the sort of uh, the biggest kind of, yeah. you know, midfield enforcer. So she is a very slight, mm, um, that's a very slight frame. Um, and you could see, uh, you know, if she was to come up against a midfield, like a, a big sort of brute, brute force in midfield, she might struggle a bit. And I was wondering today, because obviously, OK, City played Chelsea uh, in the second game of the season, lost perhaps unlucky because they were quite good and Chelsea weren't that yeah. great. But since then, they've not really played any of the top, top teams. So no. I was wondering today how she was going to cope in that holding midfield role. And I think, apart from the first half, there was a couple of times where United, Ella Toon in particular seemed to have the run of the midfield yeah. uh, when and United broke forward. Second half, City seemed to tighten it up a lot in the midfield, and I thought Haseghar was really good. Um, you know, to she's very agile. I think mean, that's one of the big... Uh, big strengths is that she can get around and nip in, nip the ball off people. I think she compliments Dana Castellanos quite well because yeah. she's not quite as agile, um, but you know she's technically superb. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Laura Coombs as well. So um, Laura Coombs. So yeah. Um, yeah. Laura Coombs. Yeah. Laura Coombs, yeah. Um, Laura Coombs uh, as well. So yeah, I thought the midfield was good. Attack not quite on it but you know they still scored a bit of good goal um, and I think ultimately the draw was the fair result cause I don't think City did enough to quite deserve
0: the win. Don't think United either. No, so. no. Fair result. Yeah it, it felt like the sort of game ironically that needed extra time and penalties in the sense that was the only way it was going to separate the two teams because it was so evenly matched and that's credit to United. I know we've, we've sort of said it a little bit too much for my liking but credit to United they've come a long way this is a team who less than four seasons ago weren't even in the WSL. While City were challenging for titles, United were, at some point, even have a women's team. So they they have improved a lot and they are sort of, they they threatened it last season, they're getting there this season of breaking that sort of, that top three of Chelsea, City and Arsenal and actually looking at the table as it stands, obviously United you have to say are in a title challenge they're currently second that would be a disappointing draw for them in terms of their hopes Um, as for City though there's there's, there's always with Gareth Taylor, there's always going to be the, the rumblings in the background as to, is he the right man for the job? Critics call him a, what is it, a, a CFA, sorry, a, 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 a City Football Group yes man, in terms of the sense that he was parachuted in, next to no experience in the women's game. They've just come off the back of nine consecutive wins, obviously that, that this result buckles that, but... Again, is either the right man for the job? It seems like a conversation we've had numerous times when we have spoke about the women's team, but it just feels as though for City, Arsenal, United and Chelsea, their WSL seasons are defined on the results against each other. And so far, while, while they've not played a lot of games against each other, City haven't been able to win any of them. So it's a little bit frustrating in that sense, but does City need better? I think
1: is the question that we need to ask. Um, I mean I'm, I'm sure there are better I mean that there, there are definitely better yeah. coaches in the women's game um, however I think maybe it's just one to sort of seems a bit of a cop-out answer but maybe just see how the season goes because yeah. you know it was a massive summer of change you know he's, yeah. he's lost like several key players um, probably but yeah it's, it's, it's but always going to be wouldn't hard wouldn't
0: people say that was because of him well that's fine yeah, we,
1: we don't know for certain but there was some reliable reports yeah. that there were sort of rumblings in the background discontent with some players yeah. um, some of whom are, are still at City and aren't massively happy with him Yeah. although you know so I think in general supporters have come a bit more on side in the last few months as you said you know um, that, that run of nine games and then obviously it's come yeah. to an end today with a draw but um, things picked up really well after those opening two losses to start the season um, and I, but as you say it's it's tricky because you know they've, they've won nine in a row and then drawn today but as you say really they can only be judged against, against Arsenal Chelsea and United because all the teams there, is, it, it's a two tiered league, really. it, is, it, is. it is a two tiered league Um so but still I'd be obviously I don't think City are ever going to get rid of him in the middle of the season uh, I think I think it's just a case of waiting and seeing how close they finish to the top. He did say after the game today, when asked what he thought City's chances were or what the target is with the champ- women's Champions League, he said, "Well, forget that. We're trying to win the title." Right. Um, so he's obviously got clear in his mind that you know this team can still win the division this season. Yeah. Five points adrift at the minute, so it's going to be a big ask. You know. They've missed an opportunity today to make all ground on one of the teams fighting for it. So they've obviously got games against Arsenal coming up, one more game against Chelsea. Um, so I think, yeah, we just have to see at the end of the season because I think he does deserve credit, I think, for the getting the team working how it is now because it does look like a good team. In the summer with that Champions League qualification disappointment and then the opening two games of the season, things that look a bit disjointed at times. Now, you know, new signings like Castellanos have settled in, um, Bunny Shaw's producing the goods yeah. in a way she wasn't really doing too much last season. Um, and then a whole host of the de- defensive signings as well. It, everything looks a, little more, a, little more, a lot more settled. And I think Taylor's got to take credit for that because it's not easy when there's a lot of upheaval, perhaps he was the reason part of the reason behind the upheaval mm. but you know he's dealt with it so given the benefit of the doubt for now I'd say but at the end of the season I could could change my tune
0: Yeah it, it, it's difficult it's always difficult with him because you want to hide into nothing in a sense because Chelsea and Arsenal for me are in a league of their own in terms of two of the best teams in Europe let alone England so th- there is this sort of this clear sort of chasm between the, the the league like you say it's whether or not City deserves to be in that top that top top, top bracket because it's a while since City have properly challenged for the title um, and and you know the, women, uh, sorry, the, the money in women's football isn't exactly big, but City do spend compared to other, other teams and obviously the likes of Keira Walsh uh, brought in enough money to sort of buy a whole new team that could compete for the title, arguably. So it's it frustrating saying that there's a winter break coming up. It'd be interesting to see as we head into the, the final game against Leicester next week. Say so there's a, a dodgy result there wouldn't be surprised to see anyone pulling the trigger, but um, that, that, that'll, that'll come. Um, I guess we'll, we'll wrap it there then, it's been a, been an experience. Apologies for the music in the background, like I said. Um, but yeah, Alex, thanks very much, it's been a pleasure, as always. And um, we'll probably do more of these in-person shows, especially when Adam comes over from the States in the spring. Yeah, um,
1: it'd be lovely to be involved, uh, and uh, hopefully we can find somewhere with some better music in the background <laughs> uh, but yeah it's, it's, it's been good it's been good yeah it's
0: always good to do a live reaction so yeah, yeah. if this podcast gets taken down because of uh, uh, royalty reasons you know why um, right okay that'll do as always like and follow it's been an absolute pleasure i've been joined by alex brotherton i've been amos murphy and until next time we'll see you later